On this episode of Colorado Outdoors, we're joined by the agency's top official, Director Dan Prenslow. Prenslow has devoted his entire 35-year career to conservation and has been the agency's director since April of 2019. His father worked for the agency and Dan grew up wanting to either be a game warden or a rancher. After receiving a bachelor's degree in wildlife biology from Colorado State in 1985, he started working for CPW in 1988 as a district wildlife manager in the Castle Rock area. He was promoted to area wildlife manager based in Meeker in 1992 and became the Southeast Regional Manager out of Colorado Springs in 2005. We're going to go in-depth with Director Prenslow during our conversation, the wise use of natural resources, and balancing that with the explosion in population and thirst for outdoor recreation in Colorado. Prenslow also talks about how the outdoors have been an outlet during COVID and how CPW focused on managing to yes to open to the citizens of Colorado during the pandemic. Along with that, CPW has seen park visitation hit record numbers and fishing and hunting license sales are up. We'll touch on wildlife topics and the opening of Fisher's Peak, the newest state park in Colorado. You're listening to Colorado Outdoors, the podcast for Colorado Parks and Wildlife. I'm your host, Mark Johnson. The podcast is powered by Great Outdoors Colorado. GOCO invests a portion of Colorado lottery proceeds to help preserve and enhance the state's parks, trails, wildlife, rivers, and open spaces. Its independent board awards competitive grants to local governments and land trusts and makes investments through Colorado Parks and Wildlife. Created when voters approved a constitutional amendment back in 1992, GOCO has committed more than $1.2 billion in lottery proceeds to more than 5,200 projects in all 64 counties without any tax dollar support. Well, it is an honor to have today on Colorado Outdoors, powered by Great Outdoors Colorado, the director of Colorado Parks and Wildlife, Dan Prenzel. Dan, welcome to Colorado Outdoors. Well, thank you, Mark. I appreciate that. I'm excited to do this. I've, I've, uh, I think I've only done one or two of these in my whole career, so I can't say I'm an expert. <laughs> I think you're going to do just fine. Hey, to, just to start things off here, give us a little background on you. I know you've been with CPW a long time, since the mid-'80s, and uh, you're, you're a, a member of a dying breed out there. You're a native Coloradan, but give our listeners just a little background on you. Well, thank you. Yep, uh, I was born, uh, born in Fort Collins. As, uh, actually, if you go uh, Livermore, there's a little white little church right along the side of the highway. You can't miss it. That's where I was. Baptized, we lived uh, right at the base of Red Mountain, uh, which I think is CSU's uh, property now. But uh, born in Colorado, moved all over the state, um, loved every minute of it. I'm in my 35th year working for uh, what started with Colorado Division of Wildlife. But as you know, we're now Colorado Parks and Wildlife and uh, um, still charging. Uh, kind of surprised myself, really. So, um, ended up about uh, was uh, was happy to get hired by uh, the governor and and DNR um, Dan Gibbs, my boss, 
and uh, our Parks and Wildlife Commission uh, in April, uh, about a year and a half ago. So um, started a, started off with a bang for about six months, and, and then COVID hit all of us, and so now it's uh, you know we're trying to do the best we can to to uh, uh, be productive and and do the best customer service we can for the state of Colorado. So. I, uh, a little more on the background, not to spend too much time, but I <clears throat> went to Colorado State University and got a, a wildlife biology degree, got a, mostly a minor in range management, wasn't sure if I wanted to be a cowboy or a game warden. Uh, <laughs> I think I ended up with, I know I ended up with uh, Colorado Division of Wildlife, and so I was a, a, a wildlife officer slash game warden in, in Larksburg, Castle Rock, for about five years until about 1990, and then I moved over to Meeker as a supervisor in the northwest part of the state, still own a home there. As a matter of fact, I consider it home. I just live in Denver now. So um, I worked over there for about 15 years and then spent about 15 years as the regional manager for the southeast region in Colorado Springs and enjoyed that. Um, and then, like I said, I've been up here for a director for about a year and a half, and so uh, marching on, seeing what we can do for uh, every citizen in the state of Colorado who really enjoys, you know, parks, recreation, and wildlife. Dan, I wonder with with that kind of journey over the course of, of I think you said thirty five years, wearing all those different hats, does that give you a little kind of a unique perspective once you became the director and had to oversee the entire program? It's it's. Uh, Time and service helps, and hopefully a little age and a little wisdom uh, help. And you, you look back and think, hmm, boy, I could have probably done that one differently. Uh, but you see a lot of, of uh, different aspects of this job, especially as director, that you really don't see. Um, you know, if you're a field game warden, you're, I was, you know, by education, I'm a biologist, and I uh, still consider myself a biologist, but went, you know, went along that enforcement arm. But we have... You know, we have biologists that just do biology. We have biologists that are, are enforcement people. We have researchers that do research stuff and not day-to-day biology. And so, um, you know, we have hatchery folks. We have our park rangers. We have it all. And so as director, you, do, you don't get to touch it very close, uh, but uh, you do get to see all the aspects that um, make this agency run. And it's really, again, it's for our uh, citizens of this state and the visitors of this state, so they have the best uh, chance and opportunity to recreate, to hunt, to fish, to camp, uh, to hike, and, and that's really our job. And you'll find out, and that we have, um, you know, we have a, most of our people, all, you know, really every one of our people want to work for this agency. It's not, it's not one you accidentally get to work for. Mm-hmm. It's because we have a real. Uh, uh, close to your heart mission uh, and very committed employees, and so can't couldn't do it. And always have to give a shout out to all our staff. That's what makes this agency run. You bet. You know, I think in today's day and age, we hear the word conservation used so frequently, and it's got. Uh, I think different meanings and different contexts, uh, d- you know, in, in, depending upon what you're talking about exactly. As a director of CPW, what, what does conservation mean to you? Conservation, and if I had opened up the dictionary, I, I would I would say it's going to say the wise use, wise use of our natural resources, and uh, <clears throat> you want to conserve them, you want to preserve them, and you want to regrow them, however that is. But 
it is a use. It's not a preservation, which would be no use. Let's put it on a shelf and, and observe it and put it in a Petri dish, you know, but, uh, or a jar and just look at it. So conservation is a use. That's what we get paid to do is manage the use of that, and, and a use is fully appropriate in my opinion. So we have, we, when you say conservation, some, some groups have kind of hijacked conservation in my mind, mm-hmm. and in more of a preservationist view, conservation is we all have to kind of roll up our sleeves and continue to make sure that we provide, use and provide it for into the future for all of us. So in Colorado, we have uh, like 960 species of, of wildlife that we manage. We don't we don't put hands on on every one of those, but we put hands on on a bunch of those. And I, I was at a meeting one time. Somebody said, "Well, the, you know, Parks and Wildlife only really uh, you know restores um, doesn't restore very much anymore, or only has a track record of like lynx re- you know restoration." And I really chuckled. If you look back. Uh, in our 120, I think we're in our 123rd year this year. We're going to celebrate 125 a year and a half from now, 125 years of the agency. Mm. Um, we've restored uh, elk, deer, uh, river otters, uh, cutthroat trout, uh, all all different species of cutthroat trout. We have a San Juan cutthroat trout. We have a greenback cutthroat trout. We have a Colorado River cutthroat trout, a Rio Grande cutthroat trout. Those are all restoration from where they either got used or overused or, or dried up in the mining days and, you know, kind of that uh, early part of our, our statehood. And so um, people forget turkeys. You know, we brought over some species, made some mistakes on some, like European carp. But uh, um, most of the species that you get to enjoy today um, are, are here because um, not only this agency, but the citizens of Colorado decided that was important to them and that we should make sure that they're on the landscape to be, uh, whether it is said, whether you just enjoy them by watching them or you hunt or you fish, um, everybody has an impact on all species in this state. If you, if you think you don't have an impact just because you're not a hunter or a fisherman, um, you really ought to relook at that. You have an impact on how you get to where, you're hike, where you hike, where you camp, where you park, et cetera. We all have an impact. Some have larger impacts than the others, but... Our job is to make sure that we manage that for in perpetuity, and uh, so that that would be my long-winded uh, answer on conservation. It's just that wise use of our resource. Yeah, I, I was going to say that was you, you covered it. it was great. That, that that's got to be you're talking about restoring species, and you mentioned you run down elk and cutthroat trout and bighorn and turkeys. That has to be one of the more rewarding parts, I would think, of being a member of CPW is when you see one of those success stories. It's it's it, all I can say is it's the best, right? And some of them, you know, better better people than me have restored, you know, elk and turkeys before I, I was here, and and so obviously for sure as director, but even in my 35 years, we have a long, great track record of doing that. And people think, well, you're only restoring, you know, endangered species. It's like, no, you're really restoring or preserving or conserving what we we have in into the future and so i can't i couldn't even list all the ones but there are huntable fishable and non-game non you know non-game species that we're continually restoring matter of fact i just last week i think we put some uh, black-footed ferrets back out um, we're having robust discussions about wolverines in this state in fact you'll hear some news in the next couple of days about that 
Um, you know, and and we're interested in restoring wolverines. You know, at some level, but you know, there's ways to do that, and there's ways to protect our Colorado citizens from from uh, you know land use decisions or or uh, um, Endangered Species Act uh, issues. So we just need to do it wisely. But uh, we're it's a it's a lot of fun. Nothing like putting out an animal that was there before and we're bringing it back. So really yeah. enjoyable. That, that is awesome. You know, you talk about bringing wolverines back, and that, that would kind of lead us into what is kind of a hot-button topic right now, that the voters here in the state of Colorado will be having a say on, and that, that's the idea of reintroducing wolves here to Colorado. Yep, that's uh, actually uh, I'm on the ballot this year. I think uh, uh, 114, I think, is its number. And lots of discussion about that. As a state agency, any state agency, once an issue gets on the ballot, we're actually forbidden from, well, we can talk about it. What we can't do is take a stance pro or against. Sure. Um, so I, as you can imagine, uh, you know, with with 900-plus employees, I have a lot of employees that have an opinion and, <laughs> and think that there will be some good things or bad things about that. But regardless, that's not our role. That's, that's uh, the voters' role. Um, I will tell you that we do have information on our website. You, you know, it's always a good idea to be informed um, before you make a decision on any subject uh, as you vote. And I encourage everybody to get out and vote. But uh, there's a, obviously spend some time in the blue book that's published. You know, there's information on our website um, if you would like more information about wolves. And, and so, uh, you know, the biggest thing I would say is that in in a ballot, we we uh, we believe that we get paid to manage wildlife, and so it's it's uh, it's important that you're educated about what you're voting for um, on any on any ballot because uh, you know it'll tell us what to do or not to do, and uh, we want to make sure we make the right decision for what's best for Colorado into the future. Yeah, once again, go to the website cpw.state.co.us. And you can educate yourself on that issue ahead of the upcoming uh, election. You know, we were talking about, about conservation a moment ago, and, and I'm sitting here thinking about, uh, here, you're a native of Colorado. I'm a transplant. I got here nearly 17 years ago, and, and uh, I'm probably a more common species than you are right now, the way things are going. And there's so many people coming into the state, and we have so many visitors every year. I wonder, that, that's got to be an interesting balance uh, Dan, in your position with Colorado Parks and Wildlife, that, that balance between conservation and recreation has to be a great challenge for you guys, I would think. It's definitely, a, um, it's definitely really uh, on, the, on the short list of things we're working on, uh, Mark, is that and I, I would say it, it, there's always been that discussion, but in the last three, four, five, six years, um, more than that, but it's really hit a crescendo in the last five years. It just, you know, we've got six million residents. We've got a two million non-visitors uh, any day uh, of the summer or winter. Maybe on the shoulder seasons, not quite two million. So you're talking about eight million people on a landscape. Um, some, some of our, well, a lot of our recreation and, and wildlife infrastructure can't handle all that kind of use. Um, doesn't mean the resource can't, but, you know, trailheads and campgrounds and places to park, et cetera, et cetera, uh, need some work for that kind of use. And so, and, and Colorado has is, is been the West. And uh, that would be my description. It's like, oh, you got lots of land. Let's put, a, let's put a trail here or a campground here, or we don't <laughs> mind, you know, a, a subdivision or a ranch going into some, you know, 
some wonderful homes. And let me tell you, I live on, you know, when I can, I live on the West Slope too and in wildlife habitat. But we're, we're spending a bunch of time trying to figure out how we can balance and make wise decisions. Again, remember that wise use um, of recreation and conservation. So we're, we're actually working with, with the, the governor's office trying to come up with a, a plan on how we can prop up a process to have conversations around the state at the local level and how those can um, um, move up through the state up to a kind of a statewide vision of statewide vision of a statewide recreation and a statewide conservation plan, uh, which we don't have right now. We, you know, we've got our strategic plans and we have our, our recreation plan called our score plan, but we don't have a statewide conservation or statewide recreation plan. And everybody that makes a decision, every county, every city, um, uh, the state and the federal government, uh, it, anytime you approve something or disprove something, you're adding to that complexity. So long story short, we're going we're gonna to work to balance that. No other state in the West is ahead of this. You know, anybody that's in this state is, is driven to the, you know, whether they drive to the West Slope in summer, like, wow, you know, took... I'd wait 10 minutes to get gas in Gunnison, you know, in the middle of the week, yep. you know, not on 4th of July. What's going on? Well, it's a capacity issue. And so we're going to start to work on that. We're, we're excited about working on that. Didn't know we were going to have to work on that. But we feel it's our obligation to, to be able to manage, you know, in perpetuity that, that balance. Um, and uh, I can best describe, and then I'll, 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 you know, it might be helpful, but I had a meeting with some, open space directors mm-hmm. and they said well we need your help and i'm like what do you need our help with and they said well you know we preserve a hundred acres or a thousand acres of open space and so you can expand that to the forest you know national parks etc and they said well we preserve a hundred acres and and half our constituents want it open immediately to you know rock climbing dog walking you know motorized non-motorized total use the other half of the constituents that paid for that open space that want it totally closed, you know, to all human use. So it's that preserved, you know, wildlife habitat. And, and neither one of those works perfectly. So that's what we're trying to figure out is how we can balance. You know, we want to be able, humans need to, are going to and should be able to use uh, and recreate and, and recreate responsibly uh, out here in Colorado. But we also need to preserve what is best and, and great about this state, which is some of our wildlife resources and, uh, and our open space. Well, you just said something that, that sparked uh, a thought in me, and, and that is every decision you're talking about and everything you folks evaluate and look at and uh, are looking to implement uh, new plans You've got to take into consideration you know, future generations, that, that whatever you're dealing with is going to not only be working in the next six months, but in the next 60 or 160 years. And, and so th- there's a lot of responsibility, Dan, with, with these decisions that CPW is making, isn't there? Yep. There's, there's an agency responsibility, and I feel that, and our employees feel that. But there's a, there's a personal responsibility, really, for everybody in this state or as visitors of, of you know, you're not the last person that's going to touch that piece of land or, you know, and if you don't pick up your trash or, you know, I pulled over uh, uh, the other day on one of the roadside rest areas and the the trash, I, just, just, uh, I, I'm no, uh, I'm just a normal person, but the, the, 
quite frankly, the potty bottles from you know, truckers that would just why wouldn't you throw that in a trash receptacle and set Amen. out or right along those rest areas? So yep. personal accountability is we all need personal accountability and and you know again recreate responsibly is would be a wonderful thing you know you can either pack your own trash make sure that you clean up your own site make sure that it's usable you know and there again in the future uh for everybody is because it's not just i'll use it and then i get the last piece of of what's left in colorado this is people live and recreate in colorado for It's a good economy, but it's for the natural resources. That's why people live here in Colorado. They love the weather. They love the resources. And like I said, it's all our jobs to do that, not just my job. And it's important that we stay in that communication and talk about that collectively. Yep, without question. We hear the phrase all the time, uh, pack it in, pack it out, and be responsible. So amen to that. You know, you had mentioned uh, COVID and how that's affected all of us here a short time ago, and I don't think neither you nor I are qualified to to deal with that subject, but I think it's important to note what a great outlet the open spaces, the recreational areas, the state parks have been during the pandemic to give people a little bit of an outlet uh, and be able to get outside and do so safely. And so that, that's kind of a feather in CPW's cap, I think, uh, during this entire you know, last six, seven, eight months, whatever it's been, that, that there's been a chance for people to get away and enjoy those natural resources when they've been cooped up. You know, I, pre- I appreciate that very much. appreciate the question and the comment, Mark, because it's, um, <clears throat> you know, it's not been an easy burden for anybody. COVID obviously is not an easy burden for for anybody on any different level, right? And, and you could talk about, obviously, the health care and the loss, loss of human life, loss of economic, you know, um, vitality, et cetera, et cetera. But you, you're correct. Outdoors has been an outlet in the state of Colorado. I will tell you, and I, it's not a prideful, well, maybe it's a little prideful thing, is that, is that those were decisions, though, that, you know, from the governor and my boss and my commission and myself and our staff, you know, the, the, those were decisions to stay open and to stay available for our public. And there was some pressure to close, close all fishing, close boat ramps, close camping. And we did have to close camping for a, a month or so to understand the complexity of that. But we opened it back up. We opened back up our offices. And uh, in there, we, we coined the phrase manage to yes. You know, let's figure out a way to stay open and manage to yes. No is really simple. Just Close things is that's real simple, but it doesn't serve our constituents whatsoever. So, so we worked on managing yes while keeping our visitors and our staff safely. So I should I should create a bumper sticker, you know, um, just let's. That's an ethic. That's a decision making process. We had to make decisions on there, you know, and and collectively other states. I will tell you, I won't name them, but they've they've had a more uh, closure. And they're furloughing their employees. Their, you know, their their uh, their constituents couldn't go out and camp or walk or hike or hunt or fish. And so we just we worked really hard at trying to make sure that we stayed open. We did that as safely as we could. You know, we we had little hot spots we had to fix. Not all panacea, but um, we weathered that storm. And quite frankly, then you know the science is really. Again, I'm, I'm, I'm not the scientist on this one, but the science is bearing out that being outside is, is, uh, is healthy, 
mentally, physically, and, and it's way, way, way less. I forget what it is, 20 times or whatever, 200 times, I don't remember, but um, uh, less, you're less susceptible to, to, uh, to COVID when you're outside. So, so thanks for bringing that up. We're going to continue to manage yes. We're going to continue to be out. Our staff, I, I really got to shout out for all our staff. They've worked really, really hard over the last six months to, to make sure that we're open for the citizens of Colorado to get out there and, and to have really kind of a, a some semblance of, of normality, and uh, that's important to us. I love the phrase. That, that's a very optimistic uh, mindset. Manage the yes. I like that. that that's good. Well, I appreciate it. Like I said, we're working at it, and like I said, we're, we're – uh, we're, we're proud that we can do that, and, and, and we're happy. And I said we've probably seen about one and a half times uh, on our parks and wildlife, you know, hunting and fishing, angling. I think angling licenses are up 100,000 um, mm-hmm. this year. I mean, people are getting outside. Uh, anecdotally, it's not my job to manage. I'm, I'm going to try and go golfing on Sunday. You can't get a tee time. People are outside. <laughs> now, part of that wonderful fall, right, it's a little too dry for us, but it's right. a wonderful fall beautiful time of year in Colorado, but people are really outside, and so we're, we're thrilled about that. You, you mentioned fishing. I'm a fly fisherman as well and get out. I'm also a hunter. H- hunting license sales have been up this year, correct? Hunting license sales are up. Yep, same thing. People are out. There's some people that can't can't get here, but we've not had near. We've had a really open policy about ex- you know getting your refund if you have a COVID issue and or on fires in this state. And sure. So more open than we normally have, but we really – Kind of back to that, we're we're doing the best we can to, to not be bureaucratic in a in a tough situation, and everybody again is in that tough situation. So, but we've not had near the returns. Matter of fact, for COVID, than we have for fire. Um, people are are it telling me people are are driving. They're coming here from other states. They're they're obviously residents that come here. They're they're planning, and they might do more camping and, and less hotel, you know, less meals in restaurants. But uh, they're. Um, hunting, fishing, camping, and, and outdoor recreation is alive and well in Colorado. All right. You being a Colorado native and being an outdoorsman, uh, is there a favorite hunting story with, with, with your father, with you as an adult, with maybe you as a field officer that comes to mind with all your years uh, being in the Colorado great outdoors? Oh, that's a, I'm not even sure I can answer that. I went mountain goat hunting for the first time in my life. It took like 20 years to draw that license, and I was, uh, successful, and I was successful in several ways. I drew the license. I, I got to spend time with friends and co-workers above um, Timberline looking at mountain goats and the beautiful part of Colorado in the best time of year, which is the fall. And I was also fortunate to actually harvest a female mountain goat last week, and I ate it the first piece of meat last night with my wife for dinner last week. <laughs> I don't know if that's my favorite story, but that is the most recent story of of uh, you know what Colorado has uh, to offer, you know, and hunting and angling. I, any time you're out with family and friends, um, you know, anybody that knows me well, they chuckle. They're like, "Oh boy, you know, Dan Prinzel, he's he's going to go hard." Um, and there's some truth to that when I'm out uh, recreating. I'm going to go pretty hard, but uh, as I've I'm aging, Mark. I, I'll admit to anybody listening that uh, the social part with my family and friends is really more important than than what you're doing out uh, out in the outdoors. And so I'm starting to realize that myself, slowing down a little bit and, and enjoying the company that I that I keep. So, but I've had I've had a lot of fun hunts with uh, 
you know, my dad, and I've got two brothers, and I've got cousins, and, and uh, you know, I've got a lot of coworkers, and anybody in this agency, you know, gets in this agency because they love, uh, you know, the outdoors, and so a lot of fun to be out there. Well, I, I know you and I are roughly the same age, and uh, I fully understand the uh, enjoying the social aspect because we can't do the physical aspect a little bit more as I, as I age, so I fully understand uh, that. But you know what the best part of that story was for any of our listeners out there, that, that might be hunters, is the fact that the director of Colorado Parks and Wildlife said it took me 20 years to draw that tag. And I, that, that, that gives all of us a little bit of, uh, I think, confidence to just you know, be persistent and, and uh, you know, we're not always going to get that tag we want, but, boy, you stick with her, eventually you're going to get that opportunity. Yep, that's a good point, and, and that's what I said. There's a, there's a lot of, uh, there's only a little bit of supply and a lot of demand, and it will to tell you the director gets no favor. <laughs> so I, uh, it, uh, it, uh, some people grew in five or six years, took me a lot longer. So, but we're, And we're still working on a bighorn sheep license uh, and, a, and, a, and a moose license. But, uh, you know, I love, like I said, I just can't, I can't talk about it. It brings a smile to my face to get out with my family and friends in the great outdoors, whether I'm hunting, fishing, or hiking, you know, or camping. Uh, we just have such, uh, such, uh, just look at the resources, private land, yeah. public land. Um, you know, there, there's a reason people are moving to the state and stay in the state, and that's the resources that we offer. And so, you know, just, again, trying to do the best we can with that. And, and uh, you know, in trying times and in trying financial times, um, but uh, we're, we're going to get her done. Amen. You know, you uh, you mentioned something as we're talking about hunting here, and, and I've mentioned before that I live up in the mountains of Colorado, and so I'm around a lot of wildlife around my property and neighbors. Uh, one thing we see here, and, and Dan, I don't think you go too long, uh, if you listen to local news where you don't hear a story about somebody trying to domesticate wildlife. Uh, in fact, just we had a, a bear just uh, down the road from me here just a couple of weeks ago that got into somebody's garbage they had out because they put it out too early. I wonder if you could just tell people, the, the thinking and the logic when Colorado Parks of Wildlife encourages people not to try to domesticate wildlife and why that's an important message for all residents of Colorado to really adhere to. You bet, Mark. I, I'll be glad on that, that to talk about that. Is, is that wildlife is that is that is in the name, right? They're, they are wild. They aren't. One, it's legally illegal to domesticate them the way uh, from the state of Colorado, but secondly, they're that's, they're not a domesticated animal. They're not bred for, you know, uh, you know an elk as an example. Uh, for meat would yield 50%, um, where if you take a, a, a bovine cattle, it's 75, 80% of yield on meat because they're bred for uh, a heavy meat. Elk, mm-hmm. aren't, those are wild animals that, are, that can run 20 miles and, you know, while you, while you uh, blink your eyes. And so... Wildlife is 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 to be enjoyed, but to be enjoyed at a distance. It's not to be uh, fed, hand fed, um, all that kind of stuff. And whether it's deer, or we obviously have an issue with people feeding deer. You know, a few squirrels, yeah, okay. But when it gets to deer, it gets to bears. Um, you're talking about a large animal that that one day it's all docile, the next day you have a problem, and. Yeah, for the most part, and I've, I've had this discussion with, with my bosses, is that deer aren't normally very aggressive, but when they are in the fall or a female has its young, people are surprised, like, well, I didn't know that, that a deer would uh, would uh, stomp you. And it's like, well, they'll absolutely sure. will. One of the most dangerous animals, quite 
frankly, that we have in the state is a moose. Don't get between a moose. And as calves, don't don't hang around a moose if you have a dog anywhere near. They will they will attack you. Amen. And so it doesn't mean moose are bad. You just uh, have to understand that. And and we get to bears. One of the things Parks and Wildlife has criticized is that, well, we'll we come in and we'll either move a bear, and if it's a real problem, we'll put bears down. And, and let me tell you, I've got 900-plus employees, not one of them, not one of them, went to college to go out and put a bear down because it ate your trash. Amen. Um, it's a very visceral thing. They do not enjoy to do that. But uh, as I tell anybody that will ask and have an opinion, is I still have a responsibility. I have a responsibility to manage wildlife for the future, but I have a human health and safety management responsibility because at least while I'm here, I'm going to have to take care of both of those. And some people are pretty wise about what they do and how they handle themselves back to that personal responsibility, and some people really aren't. Uh, they, we've, we've had, uh, uh, I can give you several cases where people couldn't even get in their own homes because they fed bears so much, mm. and the neighbors couldn't use their own back deck because of, of uh, the bears coming in. It was all because they were feeding them. And so at the end of the day, you're starting to impact um, your neighbors, yourself, and I won't say most importantly, but, but a huge part of that is the bear. And guess which one usually suffers the, the worst consequence? <laughs> right. It's the wildlife. Yeah. And so, you know, I've, back to that personal responsibility. And don't, those bears completely, if they're not getting a meal from you, they're going to find a meal. And, and my job is to make sure we have the right amount on the landscape, that they're uh, sustainable in the long run and healthy. And that, you know, help me, but leave that to us. Leave that to people that actually do that for a living. And uh, please don't take that into your own uh, own hands. Amen. Hey, pivoting uh, to something I know that you're very excited about. We've got so many phenomenal state parks here in the state of Colorado. But down south, Fishers Peak State Park is about ready to open. I, you got to be just tickled about that. We are really thrilled about that. We're going to have another uh, little uh, public grand opening here, I think, a week from now, uh, mid-October. We're real excited about that. I hear the governor may come down and visit with us on that. We're excited about that. It's our 42nd state park. It's about 20,000 acres. It, it'll open up some access to another uh, 15,000 acres. That's a state wildlife area right next to it. So you're talking about a large chunk of uh, ground in Colorado and then also a Butt Sugar Eat State Park in New Mexico. So mm -hmm. there's another big chunk of ground over there. So we're excited about it. It's gonna, it is called Fisher's Peak State Park. We're um, about uh, the northern third of that park will be very kind of recreation um, intensive, uh, you know, i.e. state park and, uh, you know, mountain biking, maybe extreme mountain biking and hiking and camping, et cetera. The southern two-thirds of that property were purchased with uh, – um, sportsmen's and sportsmen and women's habitat stamp dollars, which when you buy a hunt, hunting or fishing license, you pay ten dollars, and so that ten dollars was used to pay the the lower uh, two thirds of that property, and so it'll still be part of the same complex, but a lot of that property will be managed as a as a kind of a state wildlife area, um, so it'll be less uh, intensive on recreation be more managed for wildlife, and uh, um, we're working hard on all of that. 
our local staff, Crystal Driling, who's the park manager down there in Trinidad, has done a fantastic job trying to get that ready, and she's working seven days a week trying to make sure that's ready for the public here. And um, love to share you some other time, Mark, about the details that, that we'll have. We have, we have just a wonderful partners uh, down there, and we're excited about opening that up to the citizens of Colorado. Well, that's going to be certainly uh, another great jewel here in the great state of, of Colorado. Dad, this has really been a lot of fun, and uh, we got to do it again, as you just mentioned, because there's about, uh, I don't know, 100 other topics we could have jumped on and didn't get to today. But <laughs> we, I'd love to. Yeah, we certainly appreciate your time and look forward to having you on again very soon. Mark, thank you very much. Thank you for what you do, and, uh, you know, I'm sure you're famous for it, but I love your voice. So I appreciate it. You're very good at what you do. So thanks for helping us, and thanks for taking your time to, to interview me, and let's talk about what's the, you know, how we can move this conservation needle in the state of Colorado. Colorado Parks and Wildlife is a nationally recognized leader in conservation, outdoor recreation, and wildlife management. The agency manages 42 state parks, 960 plus species of wildlife in Colorado, more than 350 state wildlife areas, and a host of recreational programs from hunting and fishing to the state's trails program, boat registration, snowmobiles, off-highway vehicles, and more. All of its management is in perpetuity for the enjoyment of Coloradans and its visitors. Thanks for joining us on Colorado Outdoors, powered by Great Outdoors Colorado. I'm your host, Mark Johnson. Until next time, get out and enjoy the great outdoors in our beautiful state of Colorado.